0: Welcome to episode two of the one-to-one conversation podcast, the podcast exploring different people's stories, best practices, ways of working and learning opportunities in the world of business, sport, family, and more. My name is Chris, the host. And today we're meeting with David Beasley. I've known David for a long time, ever since we launched an iconic hotel in London and David and his team created some amazing content for the hotel. David is the founder and CEO of VIP worldwide known for creating amazing hotel focused online videos, 360 videos and immersive virtual reality that aim to inspire, change, behaviour, perceptions, challenge and motivate buyers. David and his team have also been nominated for 12 Royal Television Society Awards. Welcome David and I'm glad that you could be with us today. Well thank you very much for inviting me Chris, it's
1: uh, much appreciated and I was just trying to think what year was it then that we first met? Was it 10... 2010 or before.
0: It was yeah, 2009 or 10, I think. Right. I remember okay, that yeah. being when everyone was so excited about the the London Olympics. I guess <laughs> that was probably my biggest yeah. memory of that that time. Um. Yeah, yes, sure. yes. Yes. All oh, right. Great. So, well, think, thanks for the invite. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about your career journey and how you became the founder and CEO of a leading video agency. How did that start and where did you begin?
1: um well actually started in 1988 um, uh, doing pop videos and at the time they were pretty huge um i think it was a pre um mtv but there there, there was a lot of uh, other sort of big shows on around the world um and i just doubled because i had a like a love and fascination of music so if, I worked on pop videos for about three four years but um, never wanted to do anything in the corporate sphere. Um, but- purely by chance uh, for for quite a large organisation, global organisation, I don't know if we'd like to say, but it was Nestle, Um, and ended up doing some work internally for them, for their their staff, et cetera, uh, around their confectionery. Uh, Not only did I get paid on time, but I got paid very very well in those days. Um, Probably more than I do now, actually. And so the corporate world sort of opened up, but um, I'd always had a passion for travel because rather than going to university, I uh, I up sticks and traveled the world for three years. Um, And that's where I had a passion for travel. Um, And then because I'd all interested in the arts and photography, uh, when I finished traveling, I just set up with, you know, very little and just. Us bands if I could film them etc and then got some success along the way but it was really you know entering into the corporate world and and we had a fairly steady business right up until uh, 2008 when the crash came and uh, that point we weren't a specialist in luxury tourism uh, we were we were a sort of very well-known film production company video etc um but predominantly in the corporate an amount of travel and we used to do a lot of hair and beauty stuff because once you have a niche for something you tend to uh, you know um grow in certain areas so when the crash came i think um we had to decide or i had to decide i got people around the table and i i said i think we need to go niche rather than try and be all things to all parties um and i think you know the luxury tourism over petrochemical industry just seemed to win out and so from there onward we uh changed our brand because we were originally called class lane media which is. a fairly sort of dull name but it didn't really matter because we'd had it for years uh, to vip worldwide and the idea was to give a great experience through our channels of film uh to the traveler at the time um and obviously then doing a lot of things on dvd and sending things out on behalf of clients because the bandwidth of websites wasn't as that's great, but now I mean, you know, I think something like eighty percent of the internet is is video, um, so we've we've really really got to to grips with the with the luxury hospitality sector and the hospitality sector, um, you know, from B to B to B to C etc. So so that's sort of a thirty
0: two year journey uh, to where we are now.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's an amazing
0: piece of advice, right? I mean, in terms of flipping from being all things to all people to being super niche and just doing what you do really well will have success, right? Versus trying to just do everything for anyone that will pick up the phone to you, right? So, so it's a good, good recommendation.
1: Yeah, and I think the difference is with doing, um, you know, if we were doing sort of microbiology or whatever, it's, you know, people, Would have an opinion on it, but if you're doing film work, video work, you know, we're we're bombarded by it. We watch TV, the movies, etc. So everybody can have an opinion on it. However, what what you do as as a as a a video maker, filmmaker for companies, what you're basically doing is delivering a message. So I always say, you know, rather than oh, we're going to do drone, we're going to do helicopter, we're going to do underwater. So right before we get into that how do we want the person watching this to feel and what do you want them to do? Then you can go and look at how elaborate you make things all to, to fit in with brand and things. But it's, got, it's, a, it's a very simple core message. Um, and I think going niche allowed us to fully understand really what hoteliers want. And yes, they want pretty pictures, but ultimately they want to increase the booking revenue So that's really what our aim is. And I think having sort of worked solely now in the industry for 12 years, understanding the pain that hoteliers, owners and the bean counters feel, it's very different to how we approach making a film for them um and and it's really helped over the years because i've got a lot of good friends who are hotel owners or gms and in fact i've actually got an ex-client um who i work with around the world who now works for us he does sales for us in antigua and he was my client um and he was the gm so i understand from a gm's point of view or our team do what we need to do um and it's just using a very simple medium like the moving image to purvey a message then if you like
0: yeah so when you were looking at that change so you said it was 2008 ish um and you were yeah. looking at a change and you got people around the table obviously when you're discussing that change you you have to manage through that as a leader i guess how, how did yeah. you do that how did you convince people that going niche was the right way to go um
1: I think at that point, I mean, we're not talking like thousands of people, you know, I think I had a team of eight people then. Um, it's like, do you want to go and work in a greasy, oily factory or would you like to go to the Caribbean, the Mediterranean and make films? Um, so that sort of helped, you know, um, but it, it was really getting the mindset because what the easy bit is doing all the filming. The hard bit is actually communicating at the beginning of it all and having the, the, the you know the vision. And actually, it was blind naivety we went into the industry because I thought hotels had lots of money to spend if the economy ever crashed in one area because we can work globally. We'll just go to another area. And obviously, it doesn't quite work like that. Um, um, and it's, you know sometimes you can't give your services away because if, if people don't understand the value of it, it it's difficult um, and so in the early days it was just a, a blind passion I think getting through it all because we didn't understand really what the hotels wanted but we used our skills as communicators in other areas to drive that through and there was a, a bit of an epiphany moment when we were on um Hanawan Island in St. Vincent in the Grenadines, which was then a Raffles property, an absolutely beautiful place with um, a spa on stilts out in the ocean, a great golf uh, course, fantastic restaurant. Um, and at the time we were filming, um, the the marketing budget, I can't remember, it was in the millions, you know. At, three or four million and 90 people turned up from different parts of the world and they were wined and dined and all the rest of it and I said what's all this about? They said oh well because we've got 17 room categories and we've got so much to offer we physically have to pay for people to come over so they can get a true sense of, of, of our property and then they go off and then we get a, um, a flurry of sales over the next few months. It's a fam trip which I know very familiar with and i was thinking well why can't we just make a video of all the room types and all the villa villa types and the spas and send it to them um and the client said god that is a really good idea um so consequently a few months later once we've got the approval for the extended budget we went back out uh spent another two weeks on this gorgeous island but basically compiled all of their usps and separate films of each room type etc and built into a player uh, and that was used to sell obviously the people who come on the fam trips weren't very happy um but that was the first sort of breakthrough we had of saying we really get to grips with the uh, the properties and that helped us sort of move around with various uh, hotel chains and because they say, oh you know these guys have got a great idea uh, of uh, not just having a nice glossy film um couple walking hand in hand down the beach you know the amount of times and we're guilty of it you know the the gm of a property say oh i've got this really good idea you know can we have a luxury car pulling up and someone opens the door and a pair of ladies legs get out and you go mm, yeah okay um but that, uh, so we 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 looked at giving information. I think yes, there was something pretty you know to hook people in. But actually, a lot of people want to see the food. They want to see the room, uh, and that that was our biggest sort of uh, leap into the to the industry, really.
0: Yeah. So you're obviously super passionate about marketing and videos. Yeah. You can, um, and all things digital. Kind of is what is it that about that that gets you up every morning to go and create this new content
1: well i wouldn't say sort of no two days are the same i mean obviously they're not by you know for anybody really if you're going to be pedantic about it but there are some things where you know you're doing a lot of the stuff that people don't realize you do behind the scenes but really it's it was a hobby and a passion anyway, uh, so I love, you know, getting up and going to, to work with the team because the, the, the people around me who have been with me for years, you know, apart from some of the early starters, we've become really good mates. We've got similar interests. We, we can argue about things, which is great because I don't want a bunch of <clears throat> yes people, um, but you can teach almost anything apart from passion and drive and people have naturally got that uh, because they come into the industry not because they want to make money they want to do that they they come into it because they're really passionate about what they do and because I was on my tools if you like because I started as a cameraman back in back in the day I know the best work I did for producers was when I wasn't being micromanaged by saying right zoom into that for three seconds now move over to start. give me five seconds of that and it was when right this is the vibe i want you to go out and put some creative bits so the, the guys would just run off and do an hour's worth of shots say in a restaurant on long lenses and they come back and it's amazing um so it, it's almost crazy because we're so fair and, about things and you know with a creative industry it's not just one person's vision if you like uh so i don't if, i don't even have to direct in the edit anymore I, I very rarely sit in on an edit uh if we've been out shooting something uh the, the guys just run with it they just intuitively know what to do um and it means they can get on with it without somebody breathing down the necks and you know and we've probably four or five different editors. Uh, and I think we've developed a style, um, but there's also individuality there. So I think, I think having our, being in the industry, uh, you, you know, you've got to, you have challenges because creativity means sometimes you're not always watching the clock and very often we're over-delivering for clients, which, um i don't know how to get around it if i was a bit more mercenary about it perhaps you know i'd write stricter contracts but our guys say well i'd rather come in on sunday and finish it off um and get it right you know for no extra money or whatever you know so that that that's sort of you know if you get the right people i know again that's a bit of a cliche but it is you know you can't you can't edit by numbers you know you can practically you know physically learn how to do it but you have to have that sort of inner knowledge that art or whatever um to know when something works and when it doesn't you know it's like any industry it has its own language um and that's why you know when things are done by um committee everybody's got those shots in that they want and no one can see that it's bloody awful because they can't step back and look at it the way in which we can, because we're also looking at a language if that if that makes sense within the film yeah,
0: yeah no it definitely does um, i think um, I think if you, you mentioned briefly at the start about empowering your team, so you employ probably around twelve people um, yeah. from cameramen to editors time time lapse photographers. Drone, drone pilots, all these different yep. skill sets. Um, do you think that empowerment of those people is what kind of makes them as passionate as what you are um, in, in developing film?
1: Yeah, it, it is. Obviously, I mean, we... You know, you get the right people that, and, and they do it naturally, like I say, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I can quote times when I've been leaving um, to go to the office, say five or six o'clock in the morning to collect something which I've inadvertently forgotten uh, the night before before I set off traveling and it's happened more than once where I've met one of our guys going into the office and I say what are you doing at six o'clock he said oh you know that problem we had yesterday he said I couldn't sleep but I thought about it I just wanted to get in before uh, everybody comes in so I can get on the kit and have a look at it I go all right yeah cheers I sort of take that for granted but that's what we do um, you know, so I'll still get occasionally, you know, a message through on a Saturday night, Sunday night saying, Oh, take a look at such and such on Netflix or whatever. Great intro here. I think we can use that for the such and such video or take that as a as an idea. Um so so we're very fortunate in that way, but then we we're very <laughs> sort of quite liberal and and more, you know, see the good in people, but but well, I don't want to get into the nasty sides of it, but if people aren't cutting it or they are swinging the leg, taking the piss or whatever, I do get rid of them and they know it. And um, because it, it just wears everybody else down if they're not pulling the weight and they're just in it for whatever they perceive it is, glamour or whatever, because all of that, quickly goes out the window when you're having, you know, working against deadlines and stuff and you're still trying to be creative. Um, so you know, there's always a small percentage of people who are not the right fit. So we just have to get rid of them, you know, fairly, of course. Um, so we can carry on doing what we do because we're a bunch of passionate people uh, and it's not a show. It is, it's just, you are, you know, um, and, if anybody's sort of, you know, not pulling the weight or whatever reason, I notice that the people do all the work because they get on the back and say, come on, you know, where were you? Last Because if people want to turn up to the office late, they can do, you know, they don't have a strict regime um, and they'll come in and say, sorry, I had to do such and such, but I'll stop a, later, you know, tomorrow night or whatever. And it, it's always, yeah, that's fine. Because you, know, you can't turn on creativity nine to five because sometimes you haven't got it when you wake up in the morning. You're thinking, mm, just you know. And sometimes you just need to go for a walk for an hour and then come back and face it again. You know. So we've got a very sort of open sort of way of doing things because everybody trusts each other.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I think I think is if if we've hired people in the past or have hired people in the past, you can often tell within the first couple of months whether people are. Acting at a role um, that they don't really enjoy, but they're there because of the things you mentioned the the glamorous element, the pay, whatever it might be, um, or they're there because they truly enjoy it and they want to grow their career and they want to do so. you can distinguish those people pretty pretty quickly, I think by the actions that they that they take right and the work that they produce and the way they interact with their peers around them so. yeah,
1: I mean I know too so we, we one person i mean a, not, a nice guy but really as soon as it came to five thirty, that was it stopped it didn't matter what he was doing he said well no that's going to finish and he just didn't get it you know well why do you think there's other people here carrying on working and doing stuff his was well i'll do it tomorrow um and if there was every i really need it you know you've f- i felt like i was asking for you know the world to be moved um so that relationship didn't work because uh we tolerated it for so many months but the other guys saying well sorry but it ain't working you know we're all doing what we do um and we can't have a nine-to-fiver so you know consequently you know it just doesn't doesn't work out so you have to do the the stuff that i didn't get into the industry for uh, for those sort of reasons um and, and i think that's another difficult thing being in the creative industry um you know all the other things that you have to do for a business these days um you know you can get swamped by paperwork these days you know risk yeah, assessment
0: So one of the recent changes as a company that you've experienced is partnering with um, Journey based in the UK. Um, So can you talk a little bit more about the sense of strategic direction and growth and the reason for that partnership that you kicked off just recently?
1: Yes, yeah. Um, It was an interesting one really because um, we've known the, the guys and girls at Journey for probably five years or so. Um, And occasionally, uh, because they're they're a fairly big marketing agency, um, uh, 80 staff in three different locations around the world, Um, they were doing some really interesting things. And, you know, part of it was a little bit jealous uh, because they they seemed to have some really interesting business models for reoccurring uh, revenue. Which when you're making films it's very difficult to to, to do that because people pay one off um, and a lot of really interesting technology as well and and it was sort of well we're in a position now we can actually predict what we earn for our hoteliers before we start working with them, and if we don't meet the the targets um you know, they didn't have to pay so much or whatever. And I think, God, this is really interesting. No wonder they're, they're growing. So anyway, they, they we became sort of preferred partners with, with, with them. So essentially, if there was any digital work that we heard about, we'd pass it on to them or recommend them, if you like, and they, they would, Users for the video side of things, um, and then out of conversation with the, with the, the CEO Simon Bullinger, um we developed in house our own um, cool technology using three hundred and sixty and a video, which is basically content of each room category, but with book now and rate parity etc. in there. Um, and we'd spent a good sort of eighteen months, two years um developing the the, the the model and the idea for that um and they had the capacity to accelerate the build and give it some really cool cool design um and, and make it robust because they already had a number of global commercial projects out there so initially they were coming into uh fund showroom the platform um for us and work with us on that and then once we looked at um you know our full business model and ha- how we were going to uh, grow um they were looking for a film and digital arm as part of their business um anyway, so it just made sense, you know, and initially having had a business for at the time thirty one years, you think, oh, it's the last thing I want, you know, somebody breathing down my neck and, you know, are the dynamics going to change. So obviously I've got everybody involved uh from my team because it was a big decision for them. We all went down there and met and socialized and you know worked from the office. Um and it became a no-brainer really and and for us it you know Nothing really changed apart from we had a um, a lot sort of nicer looking showroom product which we launched uh, this year well in, in March, which is obviously currently on hold because of the uh, the uh, coronavirus um, at the moment. Um, but when because we, we've we've always been a fairly small team you know between eight and twelve people at any, any one time with them growing and having 80 staff, they had a lot of really cool sort of infrastructure um, and and systems and processes which weren't over bureaucratic, which I always sort of shy away from. So we actually gained a lot from them um, by their commerciality and actually were able to work with them very closely. And, you know, rather than, Uh, just my own internal team where we come up with ideas you have different people from different parts of the world from their team coming up with different ways of looking at things Um, so it it was never planned but it it just seemed to fall into place and happen quite naturally to to the point where um you know we're in you know i think a better place and i think ultimately um with having a sort of lifestyle business, uh, there's a potential exit there as well, which is quite interesting because we'll have a product that um, should be uh, reoccurring revenue through percentages of bookings created through uh, through through our platform.
0: Yeah, I think I think if, if any business can move from a one-time fee model to a subscription model then there's a success match there's a success avenue yeah. there because you there's a constant revenue stream no matter of world events or whatever and they obviously cancellations and people can't say contracts is a big thing but if you can get subscription model going then there's a, there's a definite value to, to business models that way
1: yeah. And so, I think the other thing where, you know, it, it, it's like any business. I can remember in the olden days where people, you know, tried to sell us ads in yellow pages and they said every dollar you spend, you'll get 32 back. But that was obviously across the board. And I said, OK, well, look, I'll pay you 10 times for the ad um, based on commissions I get through jobs coming through it and nobody of course wanted to do that and I said well if you're so confident you're going to be making more money because I'm going to pay you 10 times more Uh, but now we're in this position because of um, the tracking and traceability we can actually look at who actually has physically looked at the film or the VR and gone through to make a booking Um, so science and data is out there so uh, even though you know there are. I don't want to get into all the caveats, all the different. You know, where they're going to look at the content anywhere, or where they're going to be on the website. So we, we've got metrics to deal with that. But ultimately, if we could change our business model to say, "Well, don't pay until we we bring you X amount of revenue," and I think that uh, that was always been sort of at the back of my mind. But how could we do it? And now, you know, the collaboration with Journey and their techie people, that's exactly what they're doing with some of their other products, you know, um, and predicting what they can um, earn for for a hotel. Because it's like a snowball effect because the more hotels you work with, and I think collectively we've got 250 between, between us, um you, you learn best practice and what works and what doesn't. Uh, and I think that that's been, you know, brilliant, you know, even, you know, for us in the early days with it, knowing that Sunday evenings was great for leisure travel advertisement, where most hotels would pay for an agency, uh, you know, large, large books. But it'd be Monday to Friday when there's interaction. And then at weekends, they'd just be, you know various posts that would be automated where actually we were finding that that's when we were getting the most interaction uh with our content and and the most eyeballs because we were looking at the data so you know it's having that creativity in a creative product but also you know data is king yeah and is it that
0: data that you use to convince people that video is a good investment or VR is a good investment. Is it data that you use as a hook to get people to buy the product or to buy the service?
1: Uh, Yes, and if I'm totally honest, not everybody believes it Um, because, you know, getting the a b testing it, it is quite difficult, and that's one of the challenges we've had however you know we're we're in a position where we you know um we've got enough data now with some of the trial properties we do um you, you know to 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 roll that out so you know it is always a challenge but um yeah i mean that's what we try and say, but you know people are naturally skeptical uh you know hoteliers are bombarded with you know. All sorts of people are going to save them money or whatever. Um, so, yes, we do use that. Um, but it's, you need somebody, uh, a champion within organizations who prepared to say, well, look, I think this is great. It is, does seem to be working. Let, let's do it. Uh, and that's a fairly slow process. Um,
0: and that's probably why it's taken us three years to get it to market yeah it, it's it's definitely a b testing is tough uh, getting people to do it is tough and people's skepticism of digital data points is huge um yeah mainly because of understanding i would think that there's probably um education that can be done to try and help people understand them a little bit more and and get them on board but um so you briefly mentioned that there that um obviously your your current product is on hold because of you know, yep. the current world events. How do these events like change the way that you work with firstly your hotels and your clients, but also your team as well? Like the 12 people that you have, how does it change that? What what sort of things have you had to do differently?
1: Well, uh, um, uh, I'm in everybody to work from home. Um, so the, the, the editors, um, and you know, we're not talking a, a laptop, we're still talking, you know, a reasonable size amount of kit i mean it would fit a sort of uh, a box bedroom um and and a bit more maybe so yeah working remotely um that was the, the first decision so we've dismantled most of our office and it's in various uh, offices um but really at the moment the, the, with the current situation there's not a lot we can do um apart from a couple of pet pro- projects which you were involved with chris you know which i thought we'd make something a bit more uh hopeful so just reminding people that you know when the world starts to move again um there's various people around the world all, all willing and ready to uh, uh to start the uh, the tourism uh, movement again um but it, You know, it's it's a bizarre one because you know, I think initially with lockdown, we thought oh, it might be a couple of weeks, so we can get through that. And now, you know, we don't know. I think we're into week five at the moment. Um, So all we do is have regular sort of Zoom calls, just but telling people you know, there's nothing to do, so don't you know, don't try and look busy. Just find a hobby, read a book, do do whatever you need to get through it, and then. If little p- bits and pieces come in, we'll we'll just cope with it. But really, I think we're just on hold. You know, literally on hold um, until we know what's happening.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I think the what I've been amazed with is the quality and creativity of um, TV advertising, whether that be on traditional TV, um, HBO, or BBC, or whatever it might be. Um, or um, or online through YouTube, like pre-roll advertising and how quickly some companies pivoted themselves from doing something to doing a product which is relevant for the events or just using it as an opportunity to build trust with people. So I I saw one this morning, which was uh, GoDaddy, the domain uh, management company and they, they just built this really nice pre-roll ad on YouTube, which just said, We're here for you. And that's all it said. Um and and then at the end the message was if you need us, our products are now free. And clearly what they're doing is connecting there was no mention of viruses or or mention of world events or suffering or any of that nature. It was just we're here for you and our products are free. And what they're trying to do is connect people to say, okay, well, I have a partner in them or, or, or whatever it might be, and I, I can trust them. And, and you see that over and over again. And it, I remember sitting watching TV with my wife um, probably around the middle of March, and uh, and there was adverts starting then popping up, um, restaurants saying, we do takeout, which they'd never done takeout before. Yeah, and yeah. that is business, right? That is people... Reacting to the change, and if you and if you if you're not, then you you're either you you won't be around. Right? That's that's the clear message. Yeah. So, like that video that you did, the the hope video that that's pivoting with change, right, and showing that people, are, yeah, you know, it's doing something reacting to current situations, which is um, which is really good. Um, yeah, I th-
1: think with that, it, it's a real fine balance because. You know yourself, Chris. I mean, you, you get—you know—I get—I wouldn't say bombarded, but a, a good few emails every day trying to sell me something. And really, it's—I know you're desperate because we're—we're you know, all in this together. But it's not the right time, and no one's going to buy things off you—the type of things that you're selling. You know, it—it uh, it, it, it makes me more, more sort of cross than anything. So. Producing the the film that that we we're just about to launch, was very mindful that it didn't want to come across as a you know slap on the back, thank you, blowing smoke up, whatever, um, you know, aren't we great? And this is the film, and it's really all about us. You know, I don't like to mention our charity work, but we do do all of the. You know, it's a fine balance because I wrote that almost within five minutes. I'm not saying it's a brilliant piece of work, but it's just how I thought at the time. And I sat with it for a week or two before I dare look at it to see if I thought it was appropriate to ask people if they wanted to say a few lines for it. Um, Because I didn't want it to be a knee-jerk reaction and people come back and go, what's this? This is a commercial, this is an advert for you guys. Because it wasn't meant like that at all. It was just a reflection on how I thought and, uh, you know, we all thought we were so brilliant, nothing could disturb us or whatever. And then something like this comes along, and it's a real eye-opener to think, wow. Um, you know, and for me, nature getting back to, you know, it doesn't take long. I walked out yesterday at a place. There were deer, two deer there. Now, I have seen them before, but not as close. And it's amazing how, you know, things start, you know, nature starts to take over again so it would you know it, it we have to be mindful that the world is, is changed and it's done um and, and like you said sorry i've gone a slightly off piece but yeah the, the ones like go daddy who're doing it really well have really got it there are some more crass versions out there which are basically trying to you know, get you to part with your money um you know so but out of any, uh, you know, atrocity, there always comes, you know, great businesses, new ways of doing things. Um, that's, that's happened since you know year dot, if you like, because this analogy of reoccurring revenue—it's quite interesting. Because I've been listening to lots of podcasts on the war, where how. Um, civilization born, rather than you know the hunter gatherers as I was, who were, you know going down hunting the beast eating off it they realized that you know if we could plant seeds and grow it's not immediate but we can live off it you know, season to season, and I think that you know that's the same with the business, you know, filming very much going out, killing the beast, eating it, now, what do we do? Go back and try and find somebody else to work with us, but leveling that off with uh you know genuine ways of uh helping people out through the moving image is, is key
0: i mean i I've been so impressed with local companies and big companies as well, but like innovation that they've shown. So there's a company, there's a small mum and pop shop near me, and they they now have the ability to text the store for, for product, um, pay them through Apple Pay. Um, you you drive to the store, you and you text them and say, I'm here. They put it outside in a in a box, um, and you they go back in the store and then you go and pick up the box and drive off. And I was like, I will spend more money doing that than in in the state of maryland where i'm based you if you go to the grocery store you you have to they limit the number of people in the shop they uh you, you need to wear face masks and, and do all the right things which is absolutely the right thing to do but if somebody can provide a service where they pivoted to make things virtual in some ways to still give me the same product at a higher price people will do that um so the yeah. the, the flipping people has has been has been fascinating So I have some quick-fire questions for you as we we wrap up. So when working with you, David, what are two behavioural qualities that you have to show on a daily basis? Well,
1: it's almost quite old-fashioned. I know it's meant to be quick-fire, but it's politeness. Um, Because um, when we're we're working together, especially public facing, I want people to be polite and not look or be above anybody else because I – I'm not impressed with people who sort of talk lowly to a janitor or whatever and think it's a powerful thing. I'm impressed when I walk through a, with a hotelier and he knows everybody's name from whoever jobs. And I think that's a really, really smart and proper way of, of going about things. So it's politeness and courteous, courteousness.
0: That's the right word. Okay. And then what is one un- unacceptable behavior at work that you just do not tolerate? well being rude i guess yeah, yeah. Um, you know we, we all have our moments
1: which you know i think we, we we know and we respect that but yeah if anybody's out and out rude or believes they are above somebody else for whatever reason that's i that
0: just doesn't fit with me neither me so <laughs> you know david I, I want to say thank you for your time i, I really appreciate it i think there was some fascinating discussion points and learnings for for everyone and um you taking the time to to share those i greatly appreciate so where um where can people find you online do you have a twitter page or instagram can people follow you and see some of those fascinating places that you've been to uh, I do. I have
1: Instagram. I think uh, uh, VIP Beasley uh, B E A S L E Y, uh, and I think Twitter's the same. And obviously, we've got our company one, which um, is a bit more corporate than my sort of
0: behind-the-scenes stuff. VIP Worldwide Okay. So you've been listening to the One-to-One Conversation podcast. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, and Google Podcasts, and most likely anywhere else that you enjoy podcasts. Hit subscribe to be notified of new episodes. Please rate and review the show to help others find it. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the one-to-one pod. Thanks for listening and have a good day.